You're listening to the Mini Market Podcast presented by Tellum Sports. Okay, welcome back to the Mini Market Podcast. It is yours truly, Zayer Mon, joined by another three people. That's right, folks. Two weeks in a row, we got all four full house, full deck of cards. We got aces. We got spades. We got kings. We got queens. We got jokers even. Let's go. We've got Connor, Lucas, and Dalton in the house. Hello. But I'll tell you what. The mood is not positive right now. Vikings lose to the Lions. Yep, you heard that right. Minnesota Vikings lose to the Detroit Lions. Final score, 29-27 to at Ford Field this Sunday. Capped off by a final last-second play. A little button hook to the left side to St. Germain by Jared Goff. As brutal as it gets, I think we can all agree on that. I have first a question for the crew. How did we feel about the booth today? The guys calling the game, oh. Spiro Dedes or Didis or Didis. I thought, I mean, Spiro was okay play by play, but Jay Feely just, he was duller than the, duller than the handle of a butter knife. I mean, just, <laughs> I did not enjoy the broadcast. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with Lucas. I thought it was a boring game. Like there was just like so such little excitement. And I understand we're at home all watching the same game you are. This is Vikings Lions. It's a Sunday afternoon. It's December, so our, you know the Lions are already out of it, and the Vikings aren't in the playoffs right now. Like it's it's not. We're not going to get the A plus crew when we got two crappy games or two two somewhat crappy teams going at it, but. Good Lord. Good Lord. Also, I always think it's funny, those CBS jackets. What do you guys think of those? I, love I think them. they're kind of dorky. I don't like them. You know I think I'm, I'm with about? Lou. I like them, I, except for when Spiro wears a vest underneath it or like a down jacket. That is an all-time <laughs> look. I don't know what he was thinking there. It's inside. It's not cold. I don't know what that move was. But overall, I think I'm in on the jackets. They just remind me of... exclusive. That's yeah. why I like them, I think. They, they're associated with big names like Vern Lundquist and Jim Nance yeah. and Gene Steratore, all of our favorites. When I see that, all I can think of is a fraternity brothers. <laughs> we played a five month. Sigma Kappa. Yeah, Sigma Kappa, baby. So I just, they, they look like those guys should all be in a fraternity together, and that's what they got jackets doing. And I was just like, uh, I'm out on that. So good to know where you stand, Dalt. Um, what do you think of the jackets? I like a Letterman's We're jacket. Drunk. I mean, I was never a Letterman's jacket guy in high school. I wouldn't call them a Letterman's jacket. But they represent something similar of like, you wear it because you think you're cool, but uh, that's not... I think they the wear question. it because they work for CBS. <laughs> they need to show <laughs> the logo. No. We're not sure, Lou. We're going to have to double check on that, but I think you might be right. I, I see your point, though, Dalton. It's like a prestigious group. Like You have to earn the jacket by working for CBS, similar to like you earn a Letterman's jacket. I, and it, I, well, I was going to ask mean, you, you Connor, go, you don't like these jackets. How do you feel about a couple other important jackets in the world of sports? The green jacket, jacket a gold jacket. jacket. Are you down on all jackets or just these jackets? Um, I am down on just these jackets because all you get them for is just like signing your name on a piece of paper to work for CBS. You really haven't earned anything for CBS at this point. Oh, I think they just put it. They, I think they take them back. I think they just put them right back on the hanger. You don't get to bring that thing home. Maybe no, Vern does. Don't. No, I don't think you do. I'm just saying, like you, you, you get that by like not really doing anything. Except for or, yes, just showing up. Well, they're not giving it to the camera guy. They're not giving it to the dude running the boom mic. They're not giving Maybe it to the guy driving the truck. They give it to the two it. broadcasters. That's doing something. That's a but, long career at Fordham or Syracuse. You know, you had to go through schooling to get there. You had to grind through the low leagues. You're, this is a bad game, but it's in the NFL, and there are only so many games per time slot. So these guys have achieved something, uh, even though it doesn't feel like it. To well, me, it seems like a participation trophy for CBS employees. 
Doesn't matter how good you are at your job. If you work for CBS, you get one of these. Do you think they get a different one when they retire? I think they just get to keep it when they retire. Or they just yeah. give them the patch. <laughs> they just cut it out? No, I'm thinking they get like they get a new one that's like a new color. Like it's Ooh. like a, a blue one, like that CBS blue. The whole thing is blue with the CBS. Um, I hope even though we don't love these jackets, some of us, would you like it if they were CBS starter jackets in the booth? Because I would. That'd be, that'd be so funny. <laughs> Just see them rolling in with the puffers. Let's go, big guy. Like these trucker hats with the CBS logo on them, too. Swagged out. <laughs> that would be amazing. Last thought on these two guys is first of all, it's weird to see the Vikes on CBS in general. Um, it doesn't happen all that often. And Spiro Dates, some guys have a big name voice. He's got a, it's, it's 1.30. Your team plays the late game. You just threw something on to have like football atmosphere around you for the morning and like the mid part of the day before your game starts. Or if you have the money, you know, that game. And he is just eternally connected to like bad Bills versus Jaguars games or like Texans Dolphins games because it's it's the AFC always on CBS usually and just bad games. So for me, Spiro, as much as he's achieved in his life, he'll always be connected with just background noise of the worst football games of the week. See, for me, and, those games, why don't they throw on someone who's just wacky? Like when he had Aqib Tlaib earlier this year and he was just throwing out wild zingers where you don't know what's going to be next. It's going to be a boring football Swag. game. Give it, give us something that might be exciting in the booth I mean, rather than going plain Jane, vanilla. In the yeah, booth. These, guys, these guys were about as far as you can get from when we had Gus Johnson and Aqib Tlaib <laughs> at game one or whatever that was early in the year. But man, I agree with you. That's a that's an excellent take, though. Yeah, uh, Todrick Swag. I don't know if you watched the Thursday night game, but uh, Troy Aikman tossed out a tro a Todrick Swag really? for that game. So Akib Talib is impacting the culture, whether you like it or not. All right, we'll move on from our announcer discussion. We'll get into a little bit of meat. I just want to see uh, Connor. How'd you kind of just take us through this game? How are you feeling? What'd you see? What'd you hate? What'd you love? I think it's like the same thing every week for, for me is like, it doesn't matter what, at what point in the game it happens, but at some point in the game, we just decide to be really stagnant and boring as an offense. Like this game, for whatever reason, it was like the first couple drives. Like we just kept calling screenplays and it's like, why are we so hooked on getting the ball into the flat? It's like you take Kirk Cousins out of the game, which to the point of everyone who gripes about him, like you pay him all this money, let him be, let him win us or lose us games from start to finish. Like just go. Let Kirk cook. Yeah, let Kirk cook. And if he screws up, he let screws up. That's like what? Yeah, let him grill. Yikes. Um, Tinfoil. But if, if he screws up, he screws up. Like my thought is just like we run so many screens and I hate the tight end screen. I don't know if I'll ever understand that play. Like, oh, let's get Conklin in space. Get your playmakers in space. What? <laughs> and, like, honestly, I think it worked when they did it in this game, but it's just one of those plays where I don't, I don't see why we try that so hard. It's like, yeah, it's like it might work the one time if they're not expecting it, but to do it three, four times a game with Tyler Conklin, it's just yeah. not the right guy to do that with, I don't think. <laughs> Yeah, and the other obvious thing to point out is like not having Anthony Barr or Eric Kendricks like that just kills. It's really tough from the jump. You're just like, well, who the hell is playing linebacker for us today? Essentially, because I don't know them, and I'm sure they did an all right job overall. But you could see like they were targeting tight ends early in the game, and and running backs out of the backfield, and like they were just shredding us. That for, the first touchdown was a play where Kendricks is guarding normally, the one to Hawkinson. So mm -hmm. I think. Detroit did a good job exploiting our weaknesses with our D our secondary is already depleted. No Patrick Peterson this week. And then you take Hendricks and Barr out of the scenario. We still have no Everton. Obviously Hunter's out. I mean, it's just our defense feels like it's in shambles. So that hurts, but I still feel like even our backups should be able to compete with the Lions with where the Lions are at right now. But I don't know. 
frustrating game all around. Seriously, very frustrating. Um, Lucas, I'll toss it to you. I know you had a just a kind of a bad feeling about this game all day. Yeah, I mean, right away, I just kind of got that feeling. Like you said, it's like, oh, oh, this is a game that very well could be overlooked. Like, yeah, we should win this game 10 times out of 10. We should win that game. 100%. Regardless of all the injuries, you know, we were right there. We had chances to win and we just didn't. Like, especially at the last point um, when we scored that last touchdown, I was like, minute 50 with our two minute defense is probably the worst thing ever. Um, so I was like, do we just say, I know it's third down, but like, do we try to run off part of the clock there and kick the, I mean, I don't know if I'm ever comfortable with just leaving it to a kicker with our history, even though Greg Joseph has stepped it up big time. Um, but I don't know. It was just so many things. Like I just, I I just didn't have a good feeling the whole day basically. Yeah. Yeah. Two things on that. I got two questions for the group. We'll do a show of hands here on the first one. Um, I know our two-minute defense has been really bad. This is a great podcast activity. We're going to do a show of hands. Uh, I know our two-minute defense has been just absolutely awful all year. We've talked about it. I've tried to be a defender, defender, but I don't know if I can anymore. But a minute 50, Jared Goff, Lions need a touchdown to win a football game. Who genuinely thought that was going to happen? No hands. It just like it defies. It was immovable object versus unstoppable force. It was two teams with just bad endings to games going at it, and we were on the wrong side this time. But I don't know. I just for a second I thought it, you were calling Jared Goff an unstoppable force, and I was about to lose my <laughs> mind. But then you went another way, pod, so yeah. I, I, I'm on board now. In this scenario, it'd be like an easily stoppable force with a easily moved object, a piece of paper, okay. and a light breeze. Someone, <laughs> ooh, that is a head-to-head matchup I would watch. <laughs> uh, check out our YouTube page coming soon. We will do a live reenactment <laughs> of that. Uh, uh, okay, so nobody was like it was an uneasy feeling, but I didn't. I just didn't think it was going to happen. I had this like era of confidence, and like uh, you know, I was just very much like. Oh, they'll never do it. Like as bad as we've been, I just didn't ever believe it was going to happen up until the point that they caught it. And I was just like, what? Um, Second thing, Lucas, you brought up the kicker. And I think everybody was thinking, Greg Joseph, like, do we trust him to kick a five yard field goal? And there was that kind of like, (laughs) I think everybody would say, let's do show hands again. We're like, is there, is, are you hundred percent confident show of hands that he was going to make it as easy as it was? So we had Connor hand up. Mine's kind of down. And I think that the point there is that it should, everyone should have their hand up like Connor because if Greg Joseph has been good this year. And if he weren't on the Minnesota Vikings, he would never be a story. Kicking would not be a story this year. I know he had that one miss against the Cardinals. That's it. He's been really solid the rest of the year compared to all the kickers around the league. And it just remains a story because it's the Vikings and we like keep it alive. And it's unfortunate because it's like, it shouldn't be something that we have to feel like our past has any influence on us, but it does. Even though he's not connected to any of the previous mistakes that have happened, he's only had one bad kick really this year. I know he's missed a couple extra points and a couple field goals, but what kicker hasn't? Um, I don't know. It's just, it's just, are we ever going to be able to, as a Minnesota Vikings fan society, purge ourselves from this feeling that our kicker will always let us down? Or is no. that what keeps... I kickers just, letting us down. No, you know just, what I mean? It's never going to happen. It's catch happen. 22. <laughs> it's never going to happen. Never going to happen. Lucas will never let it go. My my thing about that is that like, I felt if we if we would have not gotten it and kicked the field goal, we would have lost anyways because I know, I honestly believe we would have made the field goal, but a minute is so much time in the NFL to go 35 yards, 45 yards. Like... That's they they would have easily gone down, got into field goal range. Now, if they make it, that's a whole nother story. But it's one of those things where I would not have felt confident kicking a field goal to go up one. We would have lost for sure on a field goal to me. So I was like thrilled with the touchdown. I was like, oh, we might win this thing because like it's a lot harder to yeah. get a touchdown than it is to yeah. get a field goal in the NFL. No, I, I agree with you, Connor. I think they made the right, like that was a great play call to go for it. I think, I think the Lions probably thought we were going to run the ball and just try to milk the clock the way that Chicago did last or Thanksgiving against them. Um, it was a good play call. It was sneaky. Um, but yeah, and I, I think if they had done that, if they had lost the way that you just described on a field goal instead of this touchdown, I think Zimmer would be fired right away because then you like, you played so soft against the Lions, like you weren't 
confident enough to try to go for a touchdown. Like, I think then he would for sure be done. I know Dalton is ready to see his era. And Dalton, do you want to stand up and speak your truth? I mean, at this point, if if he's not fired now, are they just never going to fire him? Are they just going to let him play out the season? To me, if you're going to fire a guy after the season and that's already been predetermined, then fire him now because there's there's no like you're not gaining anything by letting him be a lame duck coach for the next seven weeks or whatever it is. And losing to an 0-10 and one Lions team, yeah, you had some injuries, but that's a team that, as a what seventh year coach, you have a lot of guys you've had in your system. You have solid weapons. You should be able to beat them 99 out of 100 times. So at this point, I don't really see an argument as to why Zim would be coaching next week. Oh, on the, on the flip side, to play devil's advocate, do you really gain anything from firing him at this point, though? Like, I know you don't gain anything from letting him stay on, but like, I don't think we have a guy like we don't have a Kevin Stefanski that we want to like try out. So I don't know what we gain from like letting like firing him at this point, other than just okay, good, we're he's gone. Yeah, I mean, I think I think makes- it's new. It's it's a new voice, and I think Spielman probably goes too, and then a new GM can start evaluating guys now to help them in the off season. That would be, that would be my rebuttal. Cause I, I feel like we've talked about it before. I think Zim and Spielman are kind of a package deal at this point. I, I don't know if you guys have, ch- have changed your opinions on that throughout the season, but before the season, we've sort of, we, we had said that. Yeah, I agree. And I think that makes more sense. I think it makes more sense, honestly, to fire Spielman if we're going to do it and let him evaluate the players, even if Zim stays. But I mean, regardless, like we've always said, they're a package deal. So if you're going to fire, might as well get rid of both of them at the same time. Pull the Band-Aid. Uh, okay. We will move into our period of positivity. We are going to do our happy, crappy, happy sandwich. We need it now more than ever, folks. This is the darkest day, but you can still eat even when you're feeling sad. So we're going to do a little bit of our happy, crappy, happy sandwich. You got to be careful though, because if you're always leaning on food when you're sad, it can get out of hand, it can get unhealthy. Yeah. Eating disorders are real. That, again, this podcast is for the kids. It's dark. Um, Hello, that's a good message. Darkness. Find a healthy way to clear your mind. All right. <laughs> serving you a happy crappy happy sandwich lucas we'll start with you um what is your happy crappy happy sandwich all right yeah my first happy of the week um showing some love to jordan berry the punter uh, to learn today from the broadcast, he only kicked his second touchback of the whole season. So he's actually pretty sweet. So go Jordan. Confirmed. Pretty um, sweet. The irony of you choosing the day that he does that. As a <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm, I'm digging for, digging for anything right now. Um, crappy. We suck at two point conversion tries. I don't think we've made a single one the whole season. I could be wrong, but like that's what it feels like. And it's just like every play call, it's like they're almost trying too hard to do it to like make up something tricky or like creative when all we need to do is just get two yards. Like, I don't know, just just get two yards. Think of it like that. Um, so that needs to have support. Just think of it like that. That's, I don't know. Dumb it down, really. <laughs> really turning the equation on its side there. Lou. I like that. Like, oh, I don't know if they've ever thought about it that way. Well, they, they should. In another touchdown and just think about it as getting yeah, two yards. Like that touchdown play to Justin Jefferson at the end. Like, that was a perfect two point conversion play. Why don't we just redo that? But boom, boom. Simplify sometimes, right? right? Do that right. every time. Yeah. They can't just. Do it until it stops working. Exactly. Uh, and then my other happy is, um, yeah, Justin Jefferson is just sick. And it's really cool to see him and have a really, really sick player. So I think he'll go down as the best wide receiver in Vikings history. Whoa. That's a hot take. I like it. Because uh, Randy Moss spent like a good portion of his career out of Minnesota. Like he burst onto the scene. So everyone's like, oh, he was a Viking. But I think if you look at, like Moss might have had a higher peak in Minnesota, 
like in some of his early seasons than Jefferson will attain. But I think if you, in the end, we look at the full body of work as a Minnesota Viking, I think Justin Jefferson will have the best career as a Minnesota Vikings wide receiver. It probably depends if if Justin Jefferson signs his next contract here. Yep. He does the same thing Randy Moss did. You know I, what I mean? Yeah. I, I think I wholly disagree for exactly Connor's point. I think right now, even more so than when Randy Moss did it, more wide receivers like like what's what's the last wide receiver that has played his whole career with one team that you can remember that was really really good it, i feel like it just doesn't happen anymore julian uh, edelman and if, maybe and it, yeah but, but i feel like guys move like around late Justin right. like okay yeah. julio or julio jones is now on the titans but he's not good anymore like i don't know mm-hmm. I, it's like julio jones he played his whole career with the falcons okay Pretty much. that's a good one that's a good one I, I just think the trend is more like wide receivers are those they're the soccer player of the NFL like they are they are their own individual brand and they can move freely and I think especially if the Vikings have to go through a rebuild he's not gonna like they're, they're gonna have a very tough time keeping him around I think that is a good point that it could coincide like it could be bad timing where he's reaching the end of his yeah. contract when we're trying to figure find Kirk's replacement Fingers right, crossed. because when you talk about Spielman and Zimmer, the third piece of that is also it's Kirk Cousins, and then if you have if Kellen Mond is truly the next guy up, and he doesn't seem like ready, I don't. If I'm Justin Jefferson in the prime of my career, I'm not sticking around for a rebuild with any team. I'll go wherever I would need to go to win. Um, but he'll probably just go to the Bills once Stephon Diggs is over his peak. <laughs> They'll just replace him. Pick. That offense sucks, so joke's on him. Okay, Connor, your happy, crappy, happy sandwich. Well, sometimes in life, um, there are moments when things don't go your way, but you can find solace in the decisions made by other people that end up making you feel better. Is that Corinthians 8-12? Thank you, Dalton. Appreciate that. Um, Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Uh, so my first happy is Dan Quinn going for it on fourth down and in inches on his own 30 up in the game. Just an ultimate idiot move. Like, I understand it's inches, but why do you not punt that? Make the Vikings offense go the entire length of the field. And honestly, low-key maybe end up working in their advantage because they got the ball back. But it was just like, what a stupid play. And then just a horrible play call. And to go 0 for 2 on fourth downs in the game was also a real treat to watch because I feel like that's happened to the Vikings a lot. So it was nice to see that. You do feel bad it happened to the Lions because they have enough going on. But um, it was just nice to see somebody else really fuck up as a head coach. Um, (laughs) Next, my crappy is, and this is going to contradict what I've thought in the past, but playing the points game in the third quarter just doesn't make sense anymore. Like the NFL, I feel like most of the scoring happens in the fourth quarter now because teams get under the gun, defenses play softer coverage, and they're just like trying to like play the clock more than anything. So I don't love that we're going for two in the third quarter to tie it when that ended up really costing us later in the game. And I know it's easy to say that after the fact, but then if we just kick the field goal every time instead of going for two, then we were up seven at the end of the game instead of up four because we missed three two-point conversions. So to me, it was like, I don't love us chasing points in the third quarter, early in the third quarter. Like To me, it feels like that's a fourth quarter game to play, and I realize you can run into issues both ways, but it just feels like that kind of was an issue in this game. And again, that goes back to coaching. Um, That's totally a coaching decision, kind of a weird play. And it's weird because it's an actual aggressive move, which we never see from Zimmer, but I just didn't love that way to be aggressive. And then my final happy is Sunday afternoon naps. So I kind of slept through halftime and the start of the third quarter. And that was just rejuvenating. And I have kind of forgot how great Saturday, Sunday naps are, Sunday afternoon naps. Um, it was a whole family affair, too. We had a little tea just cashed out right next to me. Trina was sleeping, too. It was a family affair. We all had a big nap together, woke up feeling refreshed. Uh, yeah, so it's just good to have those back in my life. Realizing that the season has been over for four weeks, 
and realizing you can take a little edge off during the game, it was nice. Wish I had that outlook. I'm living and dying on every play. Uh, Sundays are stressful, Connor. I, I, it sounds nice over there. The Dean's nice. The Dean. All right. Um, I'll cap with... Actually, we'll go to Dalton. Dalton, you want to do your happy, crappy, happy? Yes, sir. So I once again took this week, didn't really pay too much attention to the Vikes. What I did was I watched Gophers basketball. So first happy here. Gophers hoops. 7-0 and to start the season. Big Ben Johnson. Whoa. Nice little run here to start his, uh, his coaching career at the U. They don't have great wins. They've beat some no-names, but their last two wins have come over Pitt, who's 2-5, and five, but that's an ACC squad. When they beat Mississippi State today, Mississippi State's 6-2. and two, So a couple nice little Ws. The next two games this week are going to be their big test for the Gophers. They play Michigan State and Michigan. Both ranked teams might get ugly, but they've looked, the Gophers have looked good so far. Jamison Battle, one of their big transfer gets this last offseason. He's a sophomore, came in from George Washington University. He's a Robbinsdale grad. Uh, he's averaging 17 points, six rebounds. He can shoot it a little bit. Uh, so he'll be a three-year guy in Ben Johnson's system. Super excited about that. Overall, I think they're a fun team to watch. They only play like five guys. Like Their bench is super shallow. I would say shallower than Wisconsin's gene pool. <laughs> Oh, zing. <laughs> no, but it, it, they're, they're a fun squad to watch. I'm curious. I mean, I don't think they're going to be like good in the Big Ten, but I think they could be middle, middle tier, I think would be like ceiling for them this season, but they might not be as bad as some people thought. This is going to be an old takes exposed in two months when they're 0-10 yeah. in the Big Ten, yeah, but there's hope. Right now, they're 7-0 and, and there's hope. Will you give me a call, Dalton, set a reminder, give me a call whenever this Ben Johnson-led team does something that a Patino team didn't do. Because this, <laughs> this sounds like a Patino team, exactly like a Patino team, with different expectations. Hey, you can only win the games you play, and they've been doing that. Uh, you've got you've to you've lean in a little bit. Anyway, we'll move on. Crappy, we're going Minnesota Twins pitching rotation. Yeesh. The Twins made their big offseason splash this week. I'm sure you guys saw all the headlines. They signed Dylan Bundy to a one-year deal. Ted's cousin? Ted's distant cousin. Talking gene pools here. going to be explosive. Uh, yeah, so he, he's coming off a season with the Angels where he went 2-9 and nine with a 6.06 ERA and 19 starts. But he, right now, is the Twins' third starter. So a lot to look forward to there. Uh, I think he, he's, he had a really bad season last year. Like, the year before, he was 6-3 and three with a 3.2 ERA. He has upside, but for $4 million, they're sort of taking a swing, saying maybe he'll progress to the mean. He's projected to have like a 4-9 ERA this season, just based on his career. We'll see. But the rotation right now is Bailey Ober, Joe Ryan, Dylan Bundy, and then probably Randy Dobnik and Lewis Thorpe. So it, if they don't make some serious trades or free agent signings, and there aren't a lot of like mid-tier free agents left, the pitching staff's going to be ugly, ugly, ugly this season. Yeah, I heard, uh, I saw some reporting that the major reason why Buxton resigned was due to the support that the, that the general management team went out and got this offseason for the pitching staff. So fun to watch. I'm sure no one's more excited than um, seven years, $100 million guy to see that beautiful pitching staff that uh, he's going to be producing for. I have a lot of action out there. Remember when we took a flyer on Colomade, hoping that he would work to the mean? And then remember when Connor made fun of me for making my ERA. list off of the bottom of the barrel guys, and I said it was realistic, and he said it's not realistic, and now look at this current Twins pitching rotation? I The, the Colomade is just wrong. The Colomade <laughs> example is just wrong, but but fair enough on the other point. Uh, oh, who was it? It was, uh, what was his, what's his name? The other guy. Lance then. Lynn was a flyer. No, not Lance Lynn. Was not it Lance Lynn. J-Hap, Matt Hector Shoemaker, Robles? one of those two? Well, yeah, either yeah. of those, but then it was the, um, oh, the setup guy. Robles. 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 Right. He was a progressed to the mean guy. Yeah. No, it was Colomay. No, Colomay, his last season. Colomay was good in 2019, bad in 2020, signed by the Twins the following year, right? No, he gave up three earned runs in all of 2020. Okay. That sucks. That's pretty good. So Colomay was wrong. It was, a, it was somebody else. I think else. it was Robles. You're, I, I'm, I'm, it was I'm Robles. pretty sure it was Robles, yeah. Yeah. And then he started yeah, out hot right. and we're like, ooh, yeah, progression. And then he tanked. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I'll close out 
my sandwich here. Just remember, Terry Ryan, you can and still for hire. I was happy to see Kirill Kaprasov turn his season around this week. You know, I said last week he'd been struggling, and good to see him get on a point streak this week and really, really take off. So happy for him, happy for the Wild. We'll get into the Wild later. <laughs> Got to feel good. He just needed somebody to light that fire, I think. Somebody to get him going a little bit, remind him what he's out there to be doing. <laughs> All right. I will go on my um, Vikes. Happy, happy, happy. I'll go quick. First, Christian Derrissaw is super, super important. So that was a happy because it was a reminder that that was a good draft pick. And if he can play a lot, that'll be great. Second, I'll just say two twenty-six and one. That's Kirk Cousins' current record when entering the fourth quarter trailing. That's not great. It's not great. I'd love to see that compared to other quarterbacks in the league. Before Connery, before you yell at me, the cult of Kirk here. I, what are you going to say? I need, you know, I need a little bit of. Uh, I got to get a feel for how the rest of the league looks on that one. So I'm just going to throw those numbers out there. Numbers never lie, except for when that show got canceled. Okay, and then. Gee. My second happy is a specific play that the Vikings used twice very successfully. It was a fake toss right. Kirk Cousins roll back naked boot to the left. Worked twice really well. Like I think we got probably a total of 40 yards on the two plays. So that one was great. The Lions really, really fell for it. Which reminded me of kind of a bonus happy because we need it this week is that I love watching Kirk Cousins do play action because he does this dumb little head dip every time he like flips back around. It kills me every single time. Look for it next week. You know there'll be a lot of play action. He just does this little head dip. I don't get it. It's probably something that you're supposed to do that he was taught at some point. Like I don't know, but it's just really funny to watch him do that. So that makes me happy week in, week out, win or lose. Um, we will move from there to our Survivor Island segment. This, again, is where we vote one player off of the island. For a reminder, we have Breland, Westbrook, Herndon, Hill, Udo, Kubiak, and Cole currently swimming. Um, And then after we do that, we will talk about who we thought our MVP was for the game. So we'll start with our person that will be leaving the island. Lucas, I'll toss it to you. Do you have anybody you think might deserve to get kicked off the island? Well, boys, I got a couple. First one would be a stretch, but you know, I got a keen eye for these backups. Uh oh. Third current third string tight end, Luke Stoker. Kill him. Had a play today. Holding penalty right off the field. You're not gonna get much playing time if you're screwing up the one play on the field, buddy. Unfortunately, I just asked Chris Herndon. I just, yeah, Chris Herndon had two. <laughs> Later. Yeah, exactly. Herndon was, Herndon was off. He had two penalties that day, I believe. So Stoker, unfortunately, I think I'm going to have to leave you for one more week on the island. Cam Dantzler, I got to really, really put him out there today because, yes, he had an interception that was pretty cool, pretty great. But the coverage he played on the last play of the game, giving a huge cushion and basically letting St. Brown walk into the end zone, turn around, and then trying to cover him was just unacceptable so i don't know if that really falls on him or xavier woods was helping over the top but so it was bad yeah that play was just wild like when you watch the replay he 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 was like three yards deep in the end zone like what what's the plan like stop at the goal line and force him to go one way and xavier Woods should have you over the top I, that was just like flooring to watch like I'm sure there may be a strategy. Maybe he just misplayed what they were trying to do. Maybe he did what they thought, and and there was just like somebody else made a mistake. But good lord, what an easy like twelve yard slant that they oh, easy. ran. Like, yeah, just right in the I bread mean, basket. Oop, that was down. I I felt the same way, Lou. I I agree. I think Dantzler minus his pick really was not great today, and that shined at the very end of the game. Yeah, he was on St. Brown most of the day. St. Brown had 10, 10 receptions, 86 yards, and that crucial touchdown. So I think I might have to agree with you guys. Also, I'm going to kick him off because he looks like a uh, Pop Warner football player. The way his helmet face mask sits probably a good foot in front of his actual face. He That helmet wears him. You know how sometimes you get a lineman where it looks like they had to get all the rest of the lineman to stuff his big head into it, into his helmet? 
Dantzler's the opposite. Like I'm worried about his neck being able to support his giant helmet and his tiny little head. So on that alone, I will agree with you guys. So Dantzler, you are off the island. He seems like a guy, if we're talking about people who might make it back, he seems like a guy who could make, make it back. back. So make it back, yeah. A little bit of positivity for you, Dantzler. All right. Um, we will go to MVP. Any thoughts? I don't know. Did anybody really stick out in this game? I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Any names? Uh, leaving on a Jetta plane if we don't pick Justin Jefferson, obviously. So that's pretty much it there. Yeah, kind of a recurring weekly MVP here. He's just unreal. So agreed. Justin Jefferson, 0 for 1, 0 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Hey, but that's in, your, that's your MVP. The, look past oh. the numbers. Oh, wait, he, let me go a little saved deeper. He saved a never play for a loss by throwing that yep. pass, baby. 11 receptions, 182, and a touchdown. Yeah, that was pretty good. He had a pretty great, good day. Great internal clock. Great clock. Uh, amazing. Huge okay. Clock. There you have it, folks. Justin Jefferson is up there with Thielen. It's Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen just going neck and neck for MVP of the season. Um, Kirk Cousins, sorry. You just don't get enough love from this podcast. Connor, I don't know. Are you doing your job? Um, we don't have the exact stats because I haven't been keeping track. So my bad. We will move away from the Vikings talk. Let's get into something a little bit lighter. That was heavy. We try to do our best, try to keep it positive. Um, but we have a fun little segment here. Lucas, I'll kick it to you to intro this one. It's a return of an old favorite. All right. Yeah, we haven't done our podium rankings in quite some time. So this week, I am suggesting we do our top podiums of stadium foods. They can be specific from, you know, ideally from the Minnesota stadiums, but I'll leave that up to your interpretation. Um, the big driver of this week is, you know, we're in between Thanksgiving and Christmas and calories just don't count during this stretch this month. So let's get some greasy fried food and let's get to talking about it. Let's get to talking about it. For those of you who don't remember who didn't listen long ago, this is a recurring segment called Podcast Podiums, where we each will pick our top three things in the category. So you're going to get three of our favorite stadium foods ranked one, two, three from each of us. We'll start with Dalton. Give us your podium. I want to throw out a question first. How do you guys feel about ice cream at sporting events? Spoiler. I, you'll, yeah, you might list. have to wait to see my list. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I think you're gonna hate it. I'm not an ice cream guy at at, yeah, at games. I'm just I don't not. Know, man, something about being at the Twins game in August, hot day, July, August, getting some ice cream, a little sweet. I like the little helmet. Savory. The little helmet. They serve the helmet. Yeah. Dalton's uh, podium starts with number three, bottled water, Mister Fun over here. <laughs> they stopped serving uh, baby Dalton's carrots. A peanuts guy for sure. Oh, peanuts. Dalton's going water. Bottled water, Cracker Jacks, and <laughs> if any of you have Cracker Jacks on your podium, from home number one, <laughs> the dry peanut butter sandwich on wheat bread that came out of a reusable Ziploc bag, coming in at two. All right, Dalton, uh, Sorry, give us ahead. give us your list, give us your podium. We, we'll stop making fun of you uh, until we hear your thing, and then we'll make fun of you for real. Okay, okay, okay. Number three, I'm going with nachos. But they ha the nachos Boom. have to have meat in them. Bingo. If it's nachos without meat, that's the far, far nachos, off yep. the podium. That's, that's, that's not even discussable. You don't just like that cheese that comes out of the bag and it's a little bit spicy. and yeah, That's <laughs> gross. And, but with the meat one, Dalton, you got to make sure that whoever you're with, if you're sharing, isn't taking all of the fully loaded nachos and just leaving you with the dry chips. They have that's a, very there's important. a policy. There's a policy in place. <laughs> Most stadiums have that policy. I've heard. Second old classic, the Dome Dog. I don't know if this counts because it's oh. been discontinued, but the greatest I'll mystery meat of it. our generation, of any generation. And then number one, the Cuban sandwich at the Twins game. The Tony O's Fire. Cuban Fire. is hotter than a summer day. Ooh. That's a pretty good list, actually, Dalton. I love that list, Dalt. That was impressive. I got no qualms. No Delicious. qualms. Connor, 
Can you follow? Do you feel comfortable following that list up? Do you feel confident? Honestly, it's going to make a lot of sense for me to follow it up because All right, let's do it. Overlapping similarities. Number three coming in nachos hey, yo. in a helmet, though. I do yes. want that. Want the helmet with it. Honestly, just in general, the helmet piece. And I don't know why I'm like focusing maybe on like the twins games for some reason, but I want the helmet to come with it. Don't really care what sport it is either. If I could get a Vikings helmet with my nachos, that'd be sick. Just take, I don't know, take Daniel Hunters. He's not using it right now. And let me eat nachos out of that helmet. Um, love that. That's number three for Have me. Have you ever tried to wear then, the helmet afterwards? Like clean it out and wear <laughs> yes. it? And it, it's like flat no. on the on the bottom because it's made oh, to yeah. like sit on there. So then you put it on your head and it's just flat on top and it looks so oh, you goofy. Mean like, you're not saying like walk out of the stadium wearing it, are you? No, well, no. That's you have to like clean it. That's this guy. Well, you got greasy hair if you're doing that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just the Yuck. yellow cheese dripping oh. down your forehead. Yeah. Um, number two, also in a helmet, is going to be soft serve ice cream. Twist. Um, and I, I like the twist. Otherwise, the vanilla. I, I don't really love the chocolate one, but um, they're all good. Good answer. Good good answer. Good. What about Dippin' Dots? Um, I'm talking the little. No, Dippin' Dots oh, suck. No, thank you. No, Dippin' Dots are terrible. your list, Connor. I'm loving your list. If Dippin' Dots, if anybody has Dippin' Dots <laughs> on there, I'm going to be pissed because Dippin' Dots are the poorest man's ice cream. And the worst part is a lot of times they charge more for it for something that sucks, in my opinion. Anyways, back to soft serve ice cream. I want the little helmet for this one because I honestly, I have three of those little helmets in my kitchen right now. I use them for all kinds of, they're a great salsa. I know Ike knows what I'm talking yeah, about. Oh, baby. <laughs> um, great for salsa. So versatile. It's one of those gifts that keeps on giving mm-hmm. uh, the soft serve ice cream. I'm a sucker for sweets too. So ice cream's right up my alley. Yeah. And number one, is the dome dog that's why i allowed it on dalt's list because that is the most nostalgia and you could get it at a vikes game or a twins game when we were little wow the dome dog was special there was just something about those rollers where you could roll you could walk right up and Mm. it was like choosing a puppy out of a box at a store you get to pick the one you want usually and you kind of had a special connection with that dog before it even slid down the gullet so what a fun uh what a fun snack and healthy for the kids well, it has sesame. There were seeds on it. Yeah, seeds the, on the sesame bun. seeds are the real yeah. game changer. That was the first Asian food I ever liked was a hot dog with sesame seeds on the bun. <laughs> what was it about the dome dog? Was it just that we were smaller then? Because those Go-tune. things were girthy. I tell you what, <laughs> they were thick, baby. Two C's on them dome dogs. It was just because we were kids and had little mouths. Like, did an adult just feel like it was a normal hot dog? Because I swear that thing was like, I don't know. Were you sideswiping it, it eating like a eating like a corn? <laughs> eating like a co- yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's too funny. And um, yeah, well, the dome dogs. So so much nostalgia, so much good feeling coming back with those. Another really good list, Connor. Really good list. All right, Lucas, keep the train rolling, man. All right, yeah, I got to give Dome Dog a shout out, but uh, I'm going with the current, the current foods that I get, and R.I.P. Dome Dog because we lost our sweet Prince Dome Dog long ago. But um, similar, number three, nachos. Like you said, the loaded nachos at the Twins game. Got to get them; they're delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> number two, uh, Mike and Ike's. Because I used, to to, I used to go to the, the X and <laughs> the Dome. And it's, it's also a nostalgia factor for me because I would sit there through the games and I'd have my little Mike and Ikes. And do you guys ever do the thing where you like do a war with them to see which mush one? Them. Yeah, I mush did. them together. And whichever one doesn't get smushed stays in the battlefield. <laughs> So that was, you know, that was fun when the was, you know, getting, getting... <laughs> I, don't, I think they discontinued. Do you have to sneak those in like, like a movie theater? You've got like your, your coat full of Mike and Ike's. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that Honestly, one might I... be contested a bit. But... Yeah. Yeah. Bold. I stick to your yeah. uh, guns on that, Lou. I respect you for saying it. Uh, I, uh, it was going to be on my list, but I took it out because <laughs> I couldn't handle the heat. Do you have a favorite color of Mike and Ike? Green. Yeah, I think it's green. I'm a big lemon That's lime such a guy. Loaded question, idiots! They all taste the same. You go. I've literally no, never had no, Mike and Ike's no, in my no. life. No, 
No, There's Connor, like you're both, color, you're both yeah. colorblind, so you can't tell me anything about <laughs> color and taste. That's all they are, dog. <laughs> Disgusting. That's just sad. Number two. What a travesty. Oh, Go right. ahead. And number one, the Tony O's Cuban sandwich. Oh, oh wow. such a good, such a good snack. Such a good meal to have at the ballpark. Yeah. You redeemed yourself. That is a good one. It, weird question. Can you still get them? Are, did they shut that? Because I know they move food in and out at Target Field. Is Tony O's still there? Last time I was there, it was, which was okay. you know, a couple years ago, but still. Oh, I went this okay. year and it was there. It's a staple. Awesome. It's a staple. Amazing. Yeah, that's a great one. Absolutely great one. All right, Lou. Solid list. Personally, I like it, but I won't speak for the other two. Uh, all right, I'll finish it off with my list. I think I'm going to get a little bit of heat. Um, I assume so. My number three is a slice of pizza. I just like anywhere you go, a good slice of pizza is always going to work. So, like they used to give it, it works at a wild triangle game. box too. Like, yeah, <laughs> and there- even I, back in the day at Target Center, when you could get the personal pizza, you'd get your own little Papa John's pizza in its own little cute box. You'd be cut into four squares. Yeah, I always kind of yeah. like that. It's yeah, always going to have a little soft spot in my heart. The wild uh, slice had, like, of pizza. Yeah. Yeah. Like, personal pizza. Always works. Always works. Um, number two, this is again, and it always works for me. And it's not like a stadium thing, but I love a good chicken strip basket. Oh, God. Yes. Give me three strips and a bunch of fries, and I'm going to be happy. That's all <laughs> I, I, I know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Dalton's pissed, but that's a good one. It's just solid when you're like actually hungry at the and game. You're like, I tough. didn't have dinner. It's tough to really screw up chicken strips. Like it's exactly. really hard to screw up chicken strips. Exactly. There's only one negative to the chicken strip basket, and that is for me from a personal standpoint, is I eat ketchup with it, and there's just no good way to do that. No. And that's the only reason why I wasn't on my top three. Because that is the snack that regardless i know it's going to be just a soup full of ketchup at the end but it's like i get that almost every time Yuck. i go to yeah you're gonna have I sticky fingers love it yeah i love a good chicken strip basket ike great pick thanks connor you thanks mike and ike that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> all right and my number one stadium food is yellow mustard oh what i uh, I don't. Okay, just I'm gonna let you finish. What the hell? (laughs) Here's here. Hear me out. If you like a hamburger at the game, I like a little yellow yellow mustard on my hamburger. Boom. Hot dogs, yellow mustard. It even salvages the current Twins dollar dog, which should not be a legal food that you can sell to people. If you got one this last summer, oh, they're bad. Tweet us. Tell us that color is ungodly. It literally (laughs) looks like a like. Victorian era prince who has never seen the daylight ever. It's white. It's milky. It's disgusting. Get some yellow mustard on there. Edible. I'll have three. Thank you very much. Thank you. Brats. I love a good brat at the ball game. Anywhere, actually. Brats are great. Yellow mustard. Perfect compliment. Antonio's. What's on Antonio's? I'm pretty sure there's some yellow mustard in there, isn't there? Indeed. I think it's, I it might have a little spice to it. But it's, yeah, I think it's, it's a little different than the, uh, you know, the stuff you get out of the, the vats, whatever you call them, the dispenser. Pumps. Pumps. Thank you. That'll work. I don't know what they're called. But, but yeah. Yellow uh, mustard nonetheless. So, yeah, my number one now, is yellow mustard. Don't look now, but <clears throat> when you run out of cheese with your pretzel and cheese. Yeah, the Connor. Yes. Situation. Yep. It's pretty. Yep. Unless you want to eat a dry which is okay too, but mm. you're kind of nuts. Yeah, a little bit nuts. Put you in the psych ward. A yellow mustard can salvage the lack of cheese they may give you for seventeen dollars for a pretzel and cheese. So as I was thinking through it, I had to go yellow mustard because I only really get hot dogs or brats at games. Like I like I like a slice of pizza. I like a chicken strip basket. I'll do it every once in a while. But every time I go, I'm getting either a hot dog or a brat, and so I couldn't decide between the two. I had to find the connecting straw, the bridge that brings those two together and that was yellow mustard i would also like to point out <clears throat> to backtrack a little bit um the dome dog do you guys remember getting the old dutch chips with the dome dog oh, yeah like that was just a nice little side ad like god what a what a treat but like i actually went to list it's bowl of one condiment number one <laughs> thanks right, go ahead 
We've never had such agreement on podiums. I think three of us put nachos the bronze medal slot. Wow. Impressive. All right, we will move from that fun little segment. Again, that is our podcast podium segment. Lou, great idea this week. Love that theme. That was a lot of fun. Um, we will move to sort of the forgotten, overlooked, overachieving oldest child of the group that is Minnesota sports. This is kind of the one where it's been old, reliable for a long time. You kind of forget about them because they don't make you feel some type of way as often as some of the other teams. And I'm talking about, yeah, the Minnesota Wild. This team is absolutely red hot. They've got six wins in a row, including some good ones against the Lightning and the Leafs. And they've won eight out of their last 10. Eight out of their last 10. Could you imagine if another team in Minnesota had won eight out of their last 10? And this is the state of hockey. So hand up on us. We should be talking a little bit more about the wild, folks, um, because they are really good. Connor, I'll kick it to you. How are you feeling about the way this wild season has started? I mean, the Wild are awesome. A lot of people are calling them the Skatriots. Um, that's how I'm playing right now is like the uh, early 2000s Patriots. So, <clears throat> yeah. So the Skatriots are playing awesome. I mean, thank God Kirill Kaprizov recovered um, from two weeks ago. Because now, don't look out, but he's fifth in the league in points. Um, just one point behind um, Kadri from Colorado. And then there's a little drop off between uh, Drysaddle, McDavid, McJesus, and uh, and Ovechkin. But yeah, top five in points, Kirill Kaprizov, in only his second season in the NHL, we're scoring at an alarming clip. Like we've scored seven goals against the Stars, four against the Panthers, four against the Lightning, seven against the Jets, four against the Lightning again, five, five, four. I mean, like. We're hanging up offensive numbers. This is anybody who's been a Wild fan from the start. This is the polar opposite to what we saw from the Wild early in their history with Jacques Lemaire, who was like the ultimate defensive-minded coach. What a boring style of hockey we used to play. And now look at us. We look like the Soviet Union back in the 70s. I mean, possessing the puck the whole game, so many scoring chances, such creative offense in the zone, forechecking really hard, and we got a little grit, too. Like, this isn't just a skilled team. Like, there's some gritty guys. Um, geez, it's just up and down the lineup. It's really fun to watch. There's some big guys like Greenway, um, Felino. Felino has just been what, – what a, what a great add that was to the team three, four years ago. And now he's an assistant captain and just one of the guys. Um, definitely a huge leader on the team kind of sets the tone. But I think a lot of people, including myself, were nervous when we had to go through this rebuild like only two years ago. And we're dishing out a lot of guys who we put a lot of stock in and put a lot of time in. And just two years later, it looks like, holy crap, things are starting to work. And then you look down into the Iowa Wild and we got Matt Boldy, who's looking like a really, a really solid player down there. Marco Rossi, he's he got injured last week, I think, but um, but he was playing really well up until then. So like just up and down the organization, this kind of feels like the the early two thousand or what you call it, late two thousand ten. What am I trying to say? Like two thousand six to two thousand ten, like twins, where like we had prospects, we had players in the in the majors, and like we just up and down felt really good. That's the wild look like right now. I mean, the goaltending's been solid. Oh, just no complaints. It's been a lot of fun to watch, too. And you didn't mention my guy, Connor, Ryan Hartman. Hartman, the greatest value in hockey right now. Yeah. Hitting. It's unbelievable. He's got 13 goals, eight assists, and he's getting paid $1.6 right? Yeah, stupid. Insane. I mean, and he's plus 21. And you talked about, I think this summer we talked about jokingly that we have kind of a small defense in terms of size and you said they've got a lot of grit and that might have been the thing we overlooked at that point is like you get a group of small guys together there's something about little guy energy because they are feisty yeah. and that is not to be undervalued a bunch of feisty little guys trying to get their necks out where it doesn't belong have you watched really Wonka? It, everything yeah that's a good baby. unit right there that's a good unit they how many how many people do they kill tons 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 yeah, yeah. so this wild defense is solid I mean, we're getting scoring up and down the lineup, and you don't even have like your real guys like absolutely cooking yet in terms of like 
I mean, Kaprasov is getting going, but like Eriksenak and Fiala are like middle of the pack right now in, in our scoring leaders. And like, so, and Dumba as well, like has a little Very bit good. under underperformed. And like, once they start getting going even more, like, look out, this is an incredible streak. Connor, are you concerned at all about Fiala? I know last year he had 20 goals in 50 games. This year he has three goals in 24 games. Is that more of a testament to our other guys stepping up and scoring more where Fiala doesn't have to be the center of our offense? Or is, is this something that is more of a problem? You know, I think that the one thing that I am noticing with him is like his plus minus is zero, which might not sound great, but for a guy like Fiala, that's pretty good. So it's kind of a weird fit. I, I'm not super nervous. I think he's just got to get more shots, which is like the cliche thing all the time. But I really do feel like if he can just get more shots on that, good things are going to happen because he is a, just a natural scorer. Um, but honestly, him being a plus zero or whatever plus minus is at zero, I, I, I'm feeling pretty comfortable with that. Like once he starts burying goals, it's going to, I think when it comes, it's going to come fast. And that's what we saw last year too, where he scored you know, I think seven goals in three games or something weird like that, where he'll go on stretches where he scores a lot. So I'm not super worried, but if we get around game 50 and it's kind of the same story, it's time to hit the panic button and figure out what's going on with him. Um, but at this point, I think we are 24 games in the season, so I, I could see where some people might be, but I'm, I'm still thinking he's going to hit a stretch here where he scores a handful in not too much time. So I saw a stat the other day that the wild haven't lost more than two games in a row while Dean Evison has been the head coach, which is really impressive to be that consistent. I mean, that that's encouraging because it's unlikely that they're going to go on some extended slide. Yeah. I feel like we've talked a little bit, a lot of this episode about nostalgia with the uh, stadium stacks, but Nostalgia for me is Alex Goligoski being back on the team. I remember when I, boy, we were seven years old and he was playing for the Gophers and the Gophers won a national championship for hockey. I used to be in my garage uh, doing PA for myself, um, scoring goals as Alex Goligoski. So it's crazy. He's had good production this year. He's fifth on the team in points um, and is playing really well. As a defensive unit, it's kind of funny how it shakes how it's been shaking out. Uh, Isaiah talked about Dumba and I know Spurgeon not scoring as much, hasn't played in quite as many games as everyone else either. But um, if you'd have told me Alex Goligoski was going to be our leading point getter from the defensive end, I would be shocked 24, 25 games into the season. Especially like he got kind of a late start too. Like he didn't really Mm -hmm. get going until just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Had like three or four assists in that one game uh, a week or two ago. Yeah, against the stars. I was in attendance. Crazy. Delightful. All right. Anything else anybody wants to talk about when it comes to the wild? Um, one thing that is surprising for me this year is that um, the goaltender split has been unique with Talbot taking um, 18 starts thus far, Kakinen only having six. Kakinen is 4-1-1 one, and one in his six games, but it's surprising to see them not um, split time a little bit more evenly. So it'll be interesting to watch that as the season goes along to see if Talbot kind of emerges as the clear number one or if they um, start splitting time more as the season goes along. Wouldn't you say he'd already be kind of the clear number one just the way that the last season ended and how it's trending this year? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I just thought with the off season and how well Kakinen played at the beginning of last season, like I thought that maybe we'd come out this year with a little bit more balance. But um, again, maybe that was just um, not a great thought to have because of how they're just kind of carrying off of last year. So, but I, I I would look for that to balance out a little bit as the year goes along, as long as Kakinen doesn't blow up like he did last year. Yeah. Well, it's kind of in the NHL become with goalies, it's a little bit like the NFL with the two back instead of just relying heavily on one guy. You kind of have to have two good goalies right now with the way that games played in the NHL. Um, And I think we saw this a little bit last year at the end of the season when we started relying so heavily on Talbot. He kind of got worn out towards like once we got into the playoffs and that latter half of the season because he was he's kind of old and he's carrying a lot of the workload. So I'm kind of with you, Connor. I'd like to see a little bit more, especially when we're scoring as many goals as we are. It's kind of like. Does it really matter who you got out there when you're putting up seven night in, night out? Mm-hmm. 
give uh give Talbot a little bit of rest. Yeah. All right, folks, we will leave it there. That is it for this week's episode of the Mini Market Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Tellum Sports. Also, tell a friend. We'd love to get more listeners. Tweet at us your takes. We love interacting with anybody out there. And uh, if we were on your Spotify rap list, nothing makes our day more than seeing that. So love, love all the listeners who have already told us so far. Shout out Hayden. Um, really great to see us on your top of your list for podcasts in 2021. You are a top of our list on listeners. I'm in love with we you. We love you. All right. Have my baby. Bye. Go Wolves. Woo! I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life. <laughs>